but, but we're mindful not to do that. And our 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. has significance because that's how the Jews reckon a day. So that's why we're doing that. So I want you to be mindful of our consecration to God as we give ourselves to him. And there is a struggle there. It's a struggle. It should be a struggle. It's supposed to be a struggle. And then anytime you want to compare how much you're struggling, I want you to remember our Savior as they pressed the crown of thorns in his head, as they beat him with 39 lashes on his back, as they drove stakes in his hands and in his feet, and as they hung him on a cross, and as they mocked him and scourged him, as they beat him, as they poured a spear into his side, and water and blood flowed out. So when you think about the mild suffering that you're dealing with, I want you to remind that it is but a light suffering that is working a greater thing. I wish somebody could see something greater. God is working something greater in each and every one of us. So as you go with us, as you strive with us, as you consecrate with us, even our partners who are watching online, I challenge you to consecrate with us as well. Fasting from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. each day until the 31st. Staying away from social media and frivolity and let's spend a little more time with God. Amen. And I know I don't have to ask. I don't have to hope. I know you're going to be blessed because I'm not going to bless you. But God is going to do something great in your lives. And I'm believing it right now in the name of Jesus. We're in Matthew chapter 15. And verse 21 from the English Standard Version, it reads like this. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman, some call a Syrophoenician woman, from that region came out and was crying. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her. A word. What do you do when the Lord is silent? And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, yes, Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And then Jesus answered her, oh, woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed, Patacrema, instantly. Lord, open our hearts and minds in these moments that we may be receptive to your word. Do not allow us to leave this destiny moment unchanged. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you for a few moments from the thought simply crumbs. I'll talk to you for a few moments about crumbs. Somebody say crumbs. When we see the woman that, that confronts Jesus here, she is confronting him with a very serious issue. Her, her daughter is severely vexed with a demon, severely vexed. But when she comes to him, Jesus' response to her, first of all, is silence. He came out of the region saying, have mercy 
On me, O Lord, son of David, my daughter is oppressed by a demon. And it says he did not answer her a word. What to do when the Lord seems to be silent? It seems as if that was not the appropriate response to the amount of her desperation. She was desperate in that moment for a response, and Jesus did not answer her a word. And, and have you ever felt, I, I, you don't have to raise your hand, but have you ever felt like in a sense of desperation that you cried to the Lord and he did not answer? Or, in fact, have you ever felt like you cried to the Lord and the opposite of what you prayed for and the opposite of what you cried for happened? I wish I had some real folks in here. I, I wish I had some folks who, who, who prayed in one direction and everything seemed to go in the opposite direction. What do you do when it seems like the Lord is silent? Because we have to understand that at all points in our life, whatever we're doing and whatever we're going through, it may simply be a test. What, 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 I'm, what I'm feeling like right now, the, the person who's talking crazy to me at work, the guy who cuts me off when, I, when I'm trying to drive down the highway and, and then he immediately slows down, the, the person that gives me the one finger salute as they drive by my car, I wish I had some help here. Uh, when, my, when my children aren't acting right and when my dad would say when my money is funny and my change is strange and, and my credit won't get it. <laughs> What, what, what is happening in that moment? And maybe I'm encountering a test. Maybe it's less important what my circumstances look like and more important how I react to them. Maybe God is testing. When I, when I say I believe, when I say I have faith, maybe God is testing how, how much that faith can be sustained through turmoil. How much can that faith be sustained through trials? Because many of us should be careful. Be careful what you ask for. Point at somebody and say, be careful what you ask for. Because sometimes you say, Lord, give me more faith. <laughs> Lord, let me have more faith. Lord, increase my faith. Because for your faith to be increased your trial has to be increased. You, you can't have greater faith without resistance. Uh, come in here with me. You can't get stronger if you don't have to work out on a higher level. You got to work out harder. You got to put more weight on it if you want to get stronger. If you want to sustain where you are, that's one thing. But if you want to be greater... It requires more resistance. If the airplane wants to go higher, it needs more resistance. If your car wants to go faster, it needs more resistance. So when you ask for faith, you're asking for resistance. So when they begin to, to count down the people, the, 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 those who, are, who had great faith, the progenitors of faith, when they, when they mark Abraham as a man of great faith, they don't talk about Abraham having great faith on a good day. They didn't say Abraham was, a, was great because he was the father of many nations. They don't say Abraham was great because he had great possessions. But when they discuss how much faith Abraham had, they had to discuss what he went through. Uh, Abraham had great faith because he didn't question God when he told him to take his son up the mountain. 
He didn't question God when he told him he had to sacrifice his only son. And, and, and he, and he had, had to face the conundrum of God saying, on one hand, I'm, I'm going to be the father of many nations. But on the other hand, you're telling me to take my only son up the mountain and sacrifice him to you. Lord, that doesn't make sense. But he didn't question God. Ah, because it takes faith not to ask the question. <laughs> It takes faith to trust God when you can't see it. Y'all got to be with me right here. When you don't see it, when, when you're not even around the corner from me, when you're not in the same zip code, when you're not in the same area code, it, it takes a lot of faith to, to, to blindly follow what God has said even when you don't see it. Oh, it's easier when you got a little evidence, but I'm talking about when you don't see it. I'm talking about when it's when what you're being asked to do doesn't seem like it's even part of your experience. When when God is telling you something that does not match up with what you see, when God said he's taking you to a place and you don't even know the way and you don't know how you're going to get there. It takes faith to trust God. It takes faith to believe that and do what God said. It, it, it takes faith. Talk to me. No, it takes faith to gather lumber. When you see no rain, it takes faith to preach to people for over a hundred years and tell them that rain is coming. And you hadn't seen the drop of the rain. You haven't seen no evidence of the flood. And you're sitting there building a boat because God told you to do it. It takes faith to keep doing it when you don't see it. So when you say increase my faith, God's saying I am increasing your faith. And that's why you're going through the storm you're in right now. Uh, because we say we want great faith and then we complain about the storm. Uh, we want faith, but then we complain about our trial. I, I want faith, but, but I'm complaining about my current circumstances. Baby, what do you want? If you want faith, that means being put in a circumstance when you can't see it, when you don't understand it, when you pray and the opposite happens. That's where God is testing your faith. Trying to see where you stand. He's trying to see what you're doing. And what I want you to understand, that current storm that you're in is preparing you for the level where God is trying to take you. And if I can't pass the trial, if I can't pass the storm, then I'm not ready. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not ready. Because let me tell you this, because I want to speak to the other people. Some of you are praying for faith and then others of you are praying for, Lord, take me higher. Lord, take me to the next level. So when you get the trial after you pray for the next level, don't be surprised because God has given you a test to see if you're ready for the next level. I wish I had a few people in here. Are you ready for that next level? Are you ready for that next dimension? Are you ready for where God is trying to take you when you ask to go higher? Get ready for the storm. Get ready because you asked for it. Point at somebody and say, you asked for this. You, 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 you asked for this. You, you, you want to go higher, and you're going through the storm, so you asked for this. You want to go higher, and you're going through the trial that you don't understand. God's saying, you asked for this. When you're in the middle of a circumstance that you don't understand, and it doesn't seem to match up with what God told you, I want you to be reminded in the middle of that trial, in the middle of the storm, that I asked for this. So, so if I want to go higher... I'm asking for the trial. 
If I, if I want my faith to be increased, then I'm asking for the storm. But, but what I need to make sure of is that while I'm in the trial, I don't spend it crying and complaining because God is, wants me to get the lesson out of this storm so I can go higher. Because if I cry, I wish you were here with me. If I, if I cry all the way through the storm, if, 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 if I don't get the lesson of the storm, then I still will not be prepared for where God is trying to take me next. I don't need unnecessary storms. I don't need storms that aren't taking me higher. Uh, talk to me, Jonah. Jonah decided that he was going to do the craziest thing that I ever heard in the Bible. He was going to flee from the presence of the, of the Lord. <laughs> he got in a boat made of the wood that God created. He got, he got the boat was sitting on the water. The God said, let there be water. Let there be a ferment in the middle of the water. <laughs> He's put his boat in the water that God created on a destination that was going to be propelled by the wind that only God can give. And yet he thought he could flee from the presence of the Lord. One of the most insanely idiotic ideas I've ever heard proposed in the Bible. But then when he got there, he forgot the God that created the waves could make the waves tumultuous. <sighs> He forgot that when he got in the middle of the water, God could, could make the wind cause the boat to be unsteady. Then everybody had to, had to cast lots. The lots fell on Jonah because God was even in control of that. And they realized that it was Jonah was the problem. Jonah had to be tossed overboard. Jonah encountered a storm that was unnecessary because he was trying to run from what God told him. So, so what are you saying, Christian? Well, what I'm saying is if, if I do what God told me, I'm going to face storms. If I try to run from what God told me, I'm going to face storms. The only difference is if I encounter the storm that God gave me, it's going to take me higher. And if I go through the storm that's unnecessary, it's going to set me back. And guess what? When God turns me around, I'm still going to have to face the storm. <laughs> I'm still going to have to face the same storm that I was going to go through anyway. So no matter if I follow God or if I turn from God, I ask for the storm. The question is, is the storm constructive? Is the storm taking me backwards? Or is the storm taking me higher? And I came to challenge somebody today. Lord, give me storms that take me higher. I, I, I can thank God for the storm because I know this storm is taking me high. I, I can praise him in the middle of my trial because I know what I'm going through is constructive because in the middle of my trial, I'm still doing what God told me. So if I can praise him before I'm in the storm, why can't I praise him in the middle of a storm that was purposed to make me better? Why can't I praise him in the middle of a trial that is making me better, that is taking me higher, that is giving me the very thing that I prayed God for? So point at somebody and say, you asked for this. Whether I follow God's path or whether I turn for 
I'm still asking for the storm that I'm going through. So here with this woman, she, 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 she cries out to the Lord, and, and, and God did not answer her a word. And then his disciples came after him. We talked about what, what to do when God does not answer. When the disciples came to him, they said, Jesus, do something about this woman because now she's bothering us. Uh, now, the disciples, they're acting like trifling church folks. Like, Man, aren't they? Aren't they? Trifling. Could we have a fast or a consecration? Could, could we have prayed? Could they have prayed for this woman? Should they, could they have gotten some oil out and, and, and tried to surround this woman and pray with her? But, but instead, they cry to Jesus and say, Lord, you do it because she's bothering us too. We, in other words, what they're really saying is, I don't, we don't have the power to change her situation. That's what they're really saying given up. We don't have the power to change her situation. Hmm. That's a sad state for the church to be in a place where they can't speak God's words over somebody and speak and breathe life into somebody and to help change their I wish somebody to help change their, their situation. And yeah, we, we, we're, we're online and we got lights we got we got fog machines and we got we got uh, we got musicians we got organs we got keyboards we got click tracks we got bass machines we got all of that but when somebody comes in the church can you pray over somebody that helps change their situation oh come on now we got club night. We got hay rides. We got our matching shirts on. We got our special songs. We got all that. We got our special activities. We got all of that. But when someone comes in the church, do we have the power to speak words over them that helps to change their, their situation? Do we have enough God in us uh, because we can have all the programs we want to have, but if God's not there, <laughs> we can have a, a 10 buildings on our campus, but if God ain't in any of them, can we, can we speak words that help change people's situations? I believe the disciples in this situation, in, in this story, represents the current state of the church. We do everything that looks nice. We have all the accoutrements of church, but do we have the power to speak words that help change their situation? That's what this woman needed. She, she wasn't trying to bother anybody. She was just telling them the facts as they were. She said, I have a daughter that's severely vexed with the demon. I went to your service, but she was still vexed. I went on your hayride, but she was still vexed. I went and talked to your missionaries, your ministers, your praise leaders. I talked to all of them, but she was still vexed. We can't get so caught up in the accoutrements of church 
that we forget what church was founded on. And what was church founded on? Jesus told Peter what church was founded on. He said, if you love me, you'll feed my sheep. You'll feed my sheep. And then when he asked, he said, who do men say that I am? Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And then he said, he said, Peter, because you said on this rock, on the foundation of me, Jesus Christ, being the only link to God himself, on that foundation, I will build my church and the gates of hell, the gates of anxiety, the gates of depression, the gates of illness. The gates will not prevail. Will not prevail. So when, when, when someone comes to earth, us, we must have enough power within ourselves to call on God. Uh, you don't have, I, I don't mind you calling pastor, but baby, I'm trying to empower you. Come on. I, I, the, these signs shall follow them that have a collar on. These signs shall follow them that have a minister's license. These signs shall follow them that are pastors. No, no. The word says these signs shall follow them that believe. So my only question to you is, do you believe? Uh, if you believe you have the power, somebody say, I have the power. You have the authority. You have the power to speak to yonder's mountain. Be thou removed and cast into the sea, and thou shalt have that that thou ask. And nothing, somebody say nothing. Nothing shall be impossible. Nothing shall be impossible to you. Well, we can't say we're the church unless Jesus is in the middle of it. We can't say we're the church unless there's some power. I wish I had help here. Used to be people could walk in and feel the power. I, 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 I want a church that when somebody walks in and they're, they're feeling a little sick before they leave, they, they get back home and they say, I feel a little bit. I had a little pain in my back when I walked in the service, but some way, somehow, when I walked out, I, I didn't have the same pain in my back. It wasn't because of the pastor, but when I walked in, I felt the power. <laughs> I felt the power of God operating on my life. When, when, when I walked in, I felt a little bit depressed, but when I stepped out, I, my mind and my heart felt a little bit lighter because there's something on the inside that's now working on the that's now operating on the outside. I, I felt the power of God working in my life. Somebody say power. Power of God. I felt, I felt the power of God working in my life. Y'all sit down. I got I to gotta finish this. I got to finish. The power of God working in my life. So, so then the woman, she approaches Jesus. She approaches Jesus. And, he, and after she continues after him, and the disciples have basically turned it over to Jesus. They, they didn't want anything to do with it. They turn it over to him. And Jesus says to her, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And I think a better interpretation is in Mark when, when, when then he says it's not meat. It's not right to take the bread 
Matthew says it a little different. I like Mark's version a little bit better. I think you'll find that in Mark 5. Mark says it's not right to take the bread that is intended for the children and then give it to the little dogs. So when he says that, the woman says, but master, the little dogs do eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Somebody say the crumbs. Crumbs. Help me, Dad. Dad would say that all the ingredients that you find in the loaf of bread, you will also find in the crumb. Everything, everything. Somebody say everything. Every, every, everything. Everything that you find in the bread, you will also find in, in the crumbs. And you know what? And I'm going to give you this because sometimes we're sitting here eating the bread, but, but what, sometimes the dog appreciates the crumbs more than we appreciate the bread. I wish y'all would help me in here. See, I, I, some things, I, I'm like the short order cook at my house. So I, I'm the one that usually makes the, the, the breakfast, the, the grilled cheese sandwiches and things like that. And when I make breakfast, my children really love my pancakes. So when I make pancakes, I ordinarily make full-size pancakes for everybody who wants to eat in the house. But, but then at the end, when I get to the right, right to the end of the batter, Sister Pam, I'll pour whatever is left in a little circle. And a lot of times it's not much. It might not even be much bigger than a 50-cent piece. And you know what? I give that little, I call it a scruffy cake. I give that to the dog. Give that to the dog. And our dog, because she doesn't know how to act, she would choke down the whole thing in one bite. So my daughter, before she gives it to her, she has to break it up into crumbs. And when she breaks it up into the crumbs, that dog is jumping all over the cage. She's lapping and jumping and, and, and she's about to bust out because she is so excited about getting uh, the crumbs. So what the Syrophoenician woman is saying is, Lord, you have some people who've been eating the full cake. <laughs> They got the full cake, and they're getting it just because they live inside the house. But there's the little dog that don't live in the house. The little dog that's not a part of the family. The little dog that sits on the outside. The little dog that's not always included. The little dog that's not always thought of. In fact, when you made the meal, you didn't even think about the dog. But when the crumbs start to fall, the dog gets excited when the crumbs start falling off the table. And sometimes the crumbs are falling because the people who are at the table don't even appreciate what they're eating. But I want you to know, Lord, where I'll fight for the crumbs. I'll praise you for the crumb. I, I, I'll sacrifice for the crumb. I, I'll consecrate for the crumb. I'll sit and wait patiently for the crumb. And while they're feasting on the cake, I, I don't want you to forget about me. Do not pass 
me by because I'm sitting here and I'm waiting on the crumbs and I realize that if I get enough crumbs I'll get all I need some of them at the table they're eating more than they need but all I need all I need is a crumb to minister to my mind I need a crumb to minister to my health I need a crumb to give to my family I need a crumb that'll satisfy my mind Lord send me the crumb that'll make it through tomorrow Lord send me a crumb that'll keep me hungry for you and the thing about the crumb I won't be satisfied with one crumb but I'll keep on waiting until the crumbs fall again I'll keep on fasting until the crumbs fall again I'll keep on praying until the crumbs fall again some of you been expecting and think God owes you something but the little dogs that sit under the table we don't expect nothing we don't deserve anything but when the crumbs start to fall we give God praise we give God glory we give God honor and we say Lord Lord send the crumbs to my house Lord send the crumbs in my life Lord somebody say Lord send the crumbs send the crumbs Lord everybody stand it on your feet send the crumbs Lord Send the crumbs. Hallelujah. 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 What have we been talking about this year? We're talking about living hungry. How to live hungry. Sometimes we're so satisfied with the things of this world and we're so full of those things that we don't spend time feeding ourselves what God wants us to have some of us are full but we're full on the wrong thing full on the wrong thing and whatever this world feeds you that causes you to feel full You'll be hungry again. You'll be hungry again. Jesus told the woman at the well. She said, why don't you give me something to drink? And then he said, if you give me something to drink, he said, you ought to be asking me for water. I'm asking you for water, but you ought to be asking me for water. He said, because I'll give you a water from where you'll never thirst. You'll never thirst again. You'll never, never thirst again. That water, the water that I give, will cause you to be, what did we say? Satisfied. 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 Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be satisfied. It will be in you a water that overflows into everlasting life. God is teaching us. Teaching.
teaching us to be satisfied. We talked about it when we read the scripture. I'm going to give you this and I'm finished. Matthew doesn't use it a lot. I told you it's Mark. Mark loves the word. In the Greek, it's called parakrema. It means immediately. And that's what this word says. It says from the moment that Jesus spoke over that girl's, that woman's daughter, that she was healed immediately. Immediately. Her daughter was healed immediately from her being willing, her being willing to be satisfied with the crumbs. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. Hallelujah, Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your word, Lord. Let us be mindful, Lord, in how we live. Let us fill ourselves with only the things of you. Lord, that we might live a life that is satisfied. Not the things of this earth, Lord, not homes and money and cars, Lord. Not the things of this earth, but Lord, when we set our affections on things above and not on things of this earth, you will cause us to be satisfied. And that is what we seek from you. Lord, help us to live in a way that feeds our spirit and not our flesh. Let us live a life that is set apart and consecrated to you. And Lord, you will cause all the other things that we need to be added to our lives. And for that, Lord, we say thank you. For that, Lord, we give you the glory, we give you the honor, and we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. For those of you who've been watching on us live, online, we pray God for you until we shall see you again. I hope and pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by Give a Fun. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line. And in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple, Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.